right. How are y'all this morning? Yeah? Okay, so uh, as you know, we're doing the Ask Anything series, and so this is the third one we're doing. Um, And these were questions that you guys were asking, which I love. Actually, this is probably one of my favorite series. Um, So today we're doing How Do I Avoid Becoming Numb in My Faith, Uh, which I think is really great. Um, So what happens if you don't desire God anymore? I mean, have you ever been afraid of that? Are you afraid you'll just stop? You'll just lose it? Or at some point, you know, we'll go through a hard time and you're just not feeling it anymore. Um, And so it's really hard. So what happens when we get to that place? And it's interesting that we had this topic because as I reflected on this past year, I realized that I somewhat struggled with this. I felt really distant from God this past year. And this last year was actually really hard for me. And so I had to sit down and really think through why that was and evaluate what was going on. I mean, I was stressed. I was overwhelmed with all these commitments that I had made. I was busy. I had no time to rest. I still loved God, but I just wasn't feeling much else. I felt kind of empty. I mean, I don't know if y'all have ever gotten to that place before. And I realized that though I still loved God, I was filling up all this time, all the spare time that I had with all these other things besides God. Um, Not bad things, but just things. And so, I mean, I may have been reading my Bible, but it was kind of hurried. It wasn't in depth. And so I had to kind of step back and analyze what was going on in my life and what was I filling up with my life besides God. And so um, how do we avoid getting to this place of being numb in our faith? And I think that we should ask ourselves two questions. Look at two aspects of our life. How is your time with the Lord? And then how is the rest of your time? So we're going to start with how is the rest of your time? Because you know that's coming, right? Like, you know, I'm going to tell you to have a quiet time with God. Like, you know, it's going to happen. And so we are, we're going to get there. We're going to talk about that. Hopefully I can encourage you. But I want us to look first at what are you doing with the rest of your day? Because let's face it, Ideally, time with the Lord should take up a lot of our time, right? It should be a big part of our day, if not the whole focus of our day in our life. But yet that doesn't usually happen. It's, sometimes it's only a small part of our 24 hours. And then what happens with the rest of it? It's filled up with school, sleep, family, hanging out with friends, activities, hobbies, homework. I mean, what else can you fill your time with? Phones, that comes, like, fills every extra space that we have, Right? So I want you to consider how are you spending your time and who are you spending your time with? Because our surroundings can have a big impact on us, on our interests, on our attitude, on our perspective, and on our peace that we can have. So first question is who are you spending your time with? So we've talked before about the importance of Christian community, right? Like God did not design us to live life alone. He has put people in our life to enjoy life together, right? To spur each other on, to keep each other accountable, to laugh when you're being ridiculous, to cry with you when you're sad. He's put people in our life. We're designed to live in community with one another. But think about this. Your core group of friends, the people you are most vulnerable with, that you spend the most time with, those friendships should be centered around God. Think about the influence that you have on your friends or that your friends have on you. Are you pushing each other towards God to honor God in your actions? Or are you pulling each other away from God? Are you encouraging them to 
make the hard choices to live out life honoring God? Or are you telling them, no, you do you, be happy, do what you want regardless of what God says? So what's happening in your friendships? How are you, how are you living life together? Hebrews 3.13 says, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So God put people in your life for fun, but also to call you out when you're doing dumb stuff or when you're being blind and you've fallen far off the path and you just don't even recognize it. So consider your surroundings, consider your friendships and what kind of influence you have on each other. And then the next question is, what do you do with your time? So I want you to consider how you spend your time. And I'm not talking the mandatory stuff like school and homework and sleep, right? Let's think about everything else that you fill your time with, from people to phones to everything in between. What do you choose to put your time and focus on? So I think sometimes we can think that if we can just add a little quiet time with the Lord and just like check it off our list, then we're good. You know, maybe if I just do a little five-minute devotional, it'll be like the golden ticket and it'll just fix my life. Um, but does the rest of your life look the exact same? Because you can't just add on a quiet time and expect life to be different, right? It's not like Avatar, where he, what does he do? He's like plugs himself in and then he's like a new species. Like it doesn't work like that. You can't just pretend that it's gonna change everything in your life when the rest of your life isn't looking different. And I don't know about you guys, but you know those times, I know in high school, anytime I went to a church camp and you just have such an amazing time and you know you see God work and you see him move and you feel so close to him and you think, oh man, I'm starting over. I'm going to follow God, life is gonna be great. And then you go home to real life and everything goes back to exactly the way it was before. So now, time with the Lord and these spiritual experiences that you get are very important, and we'll talk about that, but we aren't just supposed to be hearers of the word, but doers. So we're called to do something about what you have learned. So it's kind of a problem if life looks no different than it did before you believed, or if you're looking exactly like the rest of the world when God has clearly said the world's going to hate you because it hates him. Like, you're going to stand out if you are a believer in God. Um, so I have, um, I have a habit of brushing my teeth every day, which I hope you do too, right? That's real gross. Um, so now this habit that I have is not just so I can check it off my list, but it really makes no difference whether or not I brush my teeth, right? No, it, it has a big impact on my life because if I didn't brush my teeth, then my teeth would be real nasty. I'd probably have to have dental work because I'd have all these cavities and everything, right? I'd probably have coffee breath because I'm sorry, I love coffee. I'm not getting, giving it up. And then I'd probably have yellow teeth and I'd have food stuck. I mean, it's just really gross, right? So it, the habit of brushing my teeth has a great impact on my life. Belief in God should invite change in our life. So my time with the Lord every day should affect my life. My faith should impact how I spend the rest of my time from the people I hang out with, the activities I choose to do, the media I consume, the convictions I have about things, my faith in God was from spending time with him and knowing him better should impact how I spend my life and my decisions and my desire to become more like Christ. So does the rest of your life look the same? Are you just tacking on a, a ritual or thinking, oh, I'll just go to church maybe once, or I'll just read my Bible every now and then and fall, let it fall open and see what happens, and then maybe things will change for me. 
Or are you allowing your faith to impact the rest of your life? Colossians 3.1 says that if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on earth. So set your mind on things that are above, as in God, as in our minds and our focus should be set on honoring God in everything we do. And that includes the rest of our time when we're not at church and when your parents aren't watching. So what are you choosing to take in and what are you making important to you? You know, James 4, 3 says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. So are we, are we celebrating the things that the world celebrates? Are we immersing ourselves in the things that don't honor God? Are we just saying, oh, I don't actually do that, but yet we stream it and we post it and we support it? Are we getting consumed in these things that aren't honoring to God because that could make you numb in your faith into the reality of sin? You know, whenever you're uh, starving and you go in the kitchen and you think, I'm just gonna get a snack real quick. And then your mom is cooking dinner. And so then what does she tell you? No snacks because it's almost dinner time, right? Like my kids do this all the time. I know I did it to my parents. So I'll be literally getting all the dinner together, trying to like put it on the table, and then they are like rifling through the pantry, trying to get all the junk. Like that's when they really need an Oreo or a Cheez-It at that time. And what do I tell them? I said, no, because why? Because you're gonna ruin your appetite, right? Because if they eat this junk now, they're not gonna be hungry for the dinner that I'm about to give them. So if they get filled up on junk when they don't need it, they need a balanced diet, right? They need like healthy stuff that hopefully I'm cooking. But if they fill up on junk, they're not gonna be hungry for what's actually good for them. So think about your spiritual appetite. We should crave and consume the good things for us, the things of God. So we like to treat this world like our pantry, right? We love to just like throw open the door and consume whatever we can because everything is available in an instant, right? And so why not? So we can easily get filled up with junk instead of what we truly need. So if we spend all of our time consuming one thing after another and say, oh, it's just a story I watched or I just, you know, I posted it, but it's not like I don't ever actually do that in real life. Well, your online self is still yourself, and the things you take in are still going to affect you whether or not you're acting on it, too. There was this one time several years ago where I decided to try out paleo diet. Um, you know, like super healthy, right? It didn't last long because I really like carbs and bread, and so I was like, it's just not for me. So, but it was really good in that it taught me what healthy foods were and how to eat healthy and make good choices. Because I feel like I didn't have a very good gauge of what was healthy um, and what's like actually good for your body. But you know what? After I was eating that way for a while, I actually started to crave the good food. And so like junk food was no longer that good for me. Like I, anything greasy or artificial sugars, like it just didn't taste as good to me anymore. Like sometimes it would give me an upset stomach. It just didn't taste right anymore. The fake stuff. I could tell what the fake stuff was. And so sometimes we just need to train ourselves to recognize what is the fake stuff, what is the junk, and what is actually good for us. And you know, eventually if you spend time taking in God and his truth, you're going to crave the good stuff. You're going to crave him. I know now that I have experienced that I do crave God. I crave my time in the mornings when I actually get to be with him. And honestly, 
from that, your perspective shifts on life, and you start to see sin for what it really is and how it masks itself in so many appealing ways, but honestly, it just tastes fake. It doesn't satisfy. So sin ruins your appetite. Maybe the reason you're not hungry for God is because you've ruined your appetite. And if you don't want to ruin your appetite, then you need to take away these substitutes, the junk, the artificial, and sit down and take in all of who God is. So are you filling yourself up with junk? Or what is the junk food of choice that you're, that you're consuming that's taking your, all of your time and your appetite away from God? And why do we keep looking for the next distraction when God really is the only one that's going to fill us up? Uh, last week in junior high, I spoke on the book of Daniel. And I talked about Daniel's faith in Babylon. And Babylon was a country that was a really harsh environment for anyone who believed in God. And so I loved what one of, the story, one of the studies said about Daniel and his friends. It said, they could resist the pressures and temptation because they lived in Babylon without Babylon living in them. Their hearts were full of God's word and their love and devotion to him. It's hard to tempt a person with junk food when they're already full of good food. As we allow God's Holy Spirit to fill us with God's word, love, joy, and plans, we can live in the world but not of the world. And we'll be faithful to God when we're full of God. I love that. We'll be faithful to God when we're full of God. So what are we filling our mind with, our time? What holds your devotion? I heard a quote the other day from a man named William Temple, and it says, religion is what you do with your solitude. Oof, that was convicting to me. So in, in the moments of quiet, when you're daydreaming and your mind wanders, what does it wander to? What, it, what do you think about often? What do you constantly want to run to when you're upset or having a bad day? And are you making that your God? So that brings us to the second question that we have to ask ourselves is what does your time with the Lord look like? So why does everyone say this? Why is this important? Well, Jesus tells us in John 15, 4, he says to his disciples, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from Christ. So if you want to have fruit in your life, if you want to grow, you don't want to be numb in your faith, and he says, clearly, we are to abide in him. And abide means like continuously in a personal relationship with God. Not just like a Easter Christmas kind of relationship, not just a, ooh, impact's coming up and I really wanna be a captain so I better get my life together kind of relationship. No, it's, it's constant, it's continuous, it's daily. And here's another reason why. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. So the foundation of our life should be rooted in God. Because then when hard times come, when we feel numb, when we feel tempted or lonely, you know, you name it, if we have the foundation and we know who our Savior is and what he has done for us, then that storm isn't quite so bad anymore. And we're not going to fall away, but we can rely on what we know of God and not just how we feel in that moment. 
kind of reminds me of the three little piggy story. I was reading it to my son, Luke, the other day. And do you remember that? So the first two piggies, they wanted to take the easy way out, right? So one of them built a house of straw. One of them built a house of sticks. And because they took the easy way out, the wolf came and he blew it down immediately, right? Like it couldn't stand anything. But then the third piggy put in all the hard work and he took all the time and all the effort and made the house that was made of brick and it was the stronger stuff. And so when the wolf came, he couldn't blow it down. Having a relationship with God takes time and effort and it is almost never the easy way. But he is our strong rock and foundation, like he tells us, and it will never fall. So like I said before, you can't just, you know, tack on a ritual and expect to be a new person. However, God's word is transformative and it is life-changing if we take it to heart. God's word is the double-edged sword that reveals to us how great God is and therefore how weak we are. But we need to also make an effort to get to know our Savior and know what he says. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I love this verse. It's one of my favorites. It says, Don't be conformed to the world. Don't take in all the junk that distracts us, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So when you think about it, whenever you relate to people or information, we do that in two ways, right? We have the mind and the heart. In the heart, we have all the feelings and the emotions and love. And then with the brain, we, we take in information and we process it. But we need both, especially in relationships. God says to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. So not just feeling the love for him or gratitude, but in every aspect, loving him with our minds. And it's so many places in the Bible. It says, praise him with your mind. Think, think on things above. Have peace when your mind is set on him. We are to know him. You know what? The more you know someone, the more you love them. Like for my kids, I knew, before they were even born, I knew I loved them. I, I knew it. Even when they're tiny babies, I loved them so much. But now that they're older and I have a relationship with them and I spend time with them and I know their quirky, crazy personalities and how they have no endless supply of energy or an endless supply of energy, I mean, they're crazy, but I love them so much because I have spent time with them and I know them so much better. And so I love them even more than I did before. Or I think about uh, basketball. So when it comes to basketball or football, I could care less about football. I'm being honest. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I just, I just really, I don't care. We, I'm always in a fantasy football league with my Bible study, and this year I did auto draft because I was like, this is how little I care about spending my time on football. Sorry. Um, and I actually did really good with auto draft, by the way. Um, but, so that's how I feel about football. Basketball, however, I actually really love. Um, I played it when I was like, you know, a kid, and my brother played it almost his entire time in school, so I've watched it a lot. I know the rules. I know the ins and outs. Like, I really enjoy basketball. And you know why? Because I have spent time with basketball. I actually know the sport. And because I know it and because I know the ins and outs, I like it so much better, and I enjoy it so much more. Football can be, like, you know, marginally enjoyable if you know someone out there. But basketball, I actually know it. Jen Wilkins says, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. So if you want to feel God deeply, you need to know 
God deeply. And the, the more you know God, the more you're going to love him and be then be transformed into his image. And so that's a challenge I think for a lot of believers just dismiss. Because yes, Jesus did the saving work on the cross. Yes, if you have faith in him, you are saved. He did it all. But then we are also called to obedience and to love God with all our minds and to know him and live out his truth. How are you going to live out his truth if you don't know it? How are you going to defend your faith if you don't even know the one in whom you have faith in? You know, he is a relational God and he's revealed himself to us. And he wants to get to know us personally and us to know him personally. And not just know of him, but know him. And that takes spending time with God. So does being in the word mean that you'll just never feel numb or uninterested? No. I mean, are we human? Do we make mistakes? Do we often choose material things over God? Yeah, it happens. But if you have this foundation, then you're able to weather those storms of emotions of our fickle nature when life gets out of our control, which often happens. You know, in any friendship, when you think about your best friend that you have, how did you become best friends? by spending time and getting to know each other, right? Like you got so much closer and you appreciate them so much more because you have spent the time with them. So if you want a relationship with God, if you're claiming to believe and follow him, then, then you got to spend time with him. And you know what we really need to do that? We need silence. I was thinking about this the other day. We need a chance to actually have a time of quiet with God. That's why they call it quiet time right? And that's hard to come by because we live in a culture just filled with noise. I mean, there is so much input coming at us constantly between school, TV, social media, music. I mean, we just bounce from one thing to another, just consuming it all. And we need those times when, when we can put aside all the noise from the rest of the world and just allow ourselves to be in solitude with God. And that'll look like sitting quietly and listening, or praying and, and praising him for who he is, or bringing all of your, your struggles before him. And also involves reading and studying the word. Um, but we need silence in order to have God's peace and to listen to his voice. So you know how iPhones track everything in your life, right? It's scary. So the other day, I picked up my phone, and it told me that I had picked up my phone 123 times that day, just picked it up to check on it. And I had 84 notifications. And this was at like three in the afternoon, so the day was not close to being over. I had picked it up 124 times to just check. And you know what? The other day, from analyzing my life this past year, right, I realized a lot of my stress and anxiety was from my phone constantly ringing and buzzing and me checking it and being distracted and having all of this stuff and obligations. And so I actually went a couple months ago, and I turned off all of my notifications on all of my apps, except text messaging and then maybe like Target and Kindle, you know, just in case. Um, but so 84 notifications was just from text messaging, and I'm not even that popular. My kids don't even, like, my kids are little, they don't have phones. So what, I mean, I can only imagine how many texts and notifications you guys get. So just think about that. We are constantly surrounded, and we need the opportunity to step away from the distraction and the noise. Put your phone to bed. Put it on silent mode. Have a friend to keep you accountable, and just be with God. 
And for me, that looks like waking up 30 minutes early before everyone else in my family is up so that I can just have some, some time, some peace and quiet. And for you, that might look like going to bed 30 minutes early and just so you can read before bed. But you know, you know we can find a time to put away our phone and distractions and be with God. Just often we just choose to not find the time. Somebody said the other day, God's voice is a whisper and not a shout. And I liked that. Because it, it's hard to hear God through all the noise of the world. But we have to let God be our input, not the world. We need to step away from the noise to listen to him and spend time studying his word. So when you think about reading the word, ask yourself, are you reading the Bible to seek a spiritual experience and like feel good? Or are you seeking God in that time? Because we have to remember that the Bible is a book about God and not us. So we cannot approach God as like some caffeine boost of the day and think like, oh, my day is going to be great because, you know, he's going to fix it. But we have to approach God's word to know more about him and experience him. And then obviously from that, from knowing him, comes transformation in our life. But, you know, when we read it, I think sometimes we can think like, oh, I just don't see how this applies to me. You know, like how does some judge killing some obese king on a toilet and then he poops himself to death, how is that about me? You, know, you say, oh, well, the Bible's not about you, it's about God. Okay, well, how is a king pooping himself to death about God? And so I think we can sometimes read these random stories and we think, I have no idea what it says. And you know what? You may spend time and not understand what it says, and you're for sure not if you're going to take it out of context like that, like I just did. But you have to look at the big picture and look at these whole stories and say, what does the Bible say about God and his character and the attributes of God? We spend time in the word to know more about God and his redeeming work through Christ. And from that, from knowing God, then we are transformed into his image. Hebrews 12, I mentioned it before, it says that the word is a double-edged sword. And it really, it like cuts you open and reveals what's going on in your heart. Because you may read it and be frustrated or, not, or upset at something that it says. And you know what? That's your opportunity to reflect on why that might be. What are you not understanding about God's character? Or what sin are you holding on to so dearly that those words are making you angry? Jen Wilkins says this, For years I viewed my interaction with the Bible as a debit account. I had a need, so I went to the Bible to withdraw an answer. But we do much better to view our interaction with the Bible as a savings account. I stretch my understanding daily, I deposit what I glean, and I patiently wait for it to accumulate in value, knowing that one day I will need to draw on it. So you may not always feel like you're growing, but if you remain consistent and continuously seek God, then after some time, you're going to be able to look back and see God's work and what he did in your life. And then in moments just later down the road, when you need it, you'll be able to pull from what you learned. The Holy Spirit will bring it up to you. Uh, the other day, I went hiking with my kids to Miller Springs. Um, I'd kind of forgotten about that place. That place is great. But my kids are finally old enough now, they're five and seven, that I feel like they could walk for maybe 20 minutes without our complaining. Um, and so we did pretty good. We went on the trails, and then there's this one trail, if y'all have been on it, that goes up, has like these really steep steps, right? Like, you get really winded. I mean, it's just like really tiring, right? And so, of course, my kids wanted to be carried up the steps. And my daughter made a comment. She goes, I just, I just want to go down the hill. I don't want to go up the hill. And I was like, well, yeah, I, for sure. I don't want to do that too. It's never a good feeling when you feel like your heart is about to just fall out because it's beating so hard. 
But you know what? You have to climb a hill before you go down it. Sometimes there is hard work you have to do before things get easier. And our life is filled with ups and downs and mountains and valleys. And there will be times when you feel that camp high and you are so pumped about the Lord and you're pulling out all your WWJD bracelets and your Chacos and your now jeans and whatever other camp gear you can find and you are just on fire and you feel God's presence and you can see his work in your life and there is just this joy beyond understanding. Like you will have those times and there, when there's no obstacles and you're just living your best life. But then there will also be other times when you have to go up the mountain and it's a struggle to get up in the mornings and it's a struggle to pretend like you're okay. It's a struggle to understand why God would allow something so horrible to happen or to, to be able to understand how he can be good and Lord at the same time or to even care that he is there. Sometimes those mountains feel impossible and like they'll never end. But if you have put in the effort and if you have gotten to know your Lord, if you have formed that relationship, then you have made that spiritual deposit and have that foundation, then those mountains are no longer mountains. They are hills and your God will carry you up it. So you know, if you feel like you, you're missing God or, or you're worried because you don't feel passion or you, maybe you just don't feel like God is there, you don't feel his presence, it's not all a bad thing, because consider this. If you have a sense of his absence, that means you know of his presence. So if you have a sense of his absence, that means you know of his presence. So he, that means he has revealed himself to you. He has made himself known to you. And so if you feel that gap, that distance between you, I mean, we should always feel the gap between a heavenly, holy father and myself. But our feelings can be deceitful. We can't always trust them. Our feelings don't always show us the truth of the matter. So don't be discouraged if you don't feel like you're making progress or not growing or God's distant. That doesn't mean he is. That just might mean he's taking you up a mountain. But it's going to be so much sweeter on the other side. Did you know that 80% of relationships are just nonsense? And what I mean by that, I've noticed with my kids that most of the time that I spend with them is just ridiculous, like being goofy and crazy and all that stuff. Um, and then every now and then there will be one small, special, deep moment that we have. So the other day, uh, my kids are in public school. My daughter is seven. She's in second grade. And so she came up to me um, after school one day and was like, you know, so-and-so doesn't believe in God. And then she said, he also told me that the earth was formed from a rock, and I just don't think that's true. And I was like, oh my goodness, I get to have an apologetics talk with my daughter. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like amping myself up. I'm like, we're gonna have a deep talk. I'm gonna show her all the things and she's gonna go minister to everyone. Like it's gonna be a great moment, right? And so I get one sentence into my talk with her and then my son, Luke, comes in with his shirt off and he's like swinging it around. And I'm like, Luke, are you, are you getting ready for a bath or something? You're kind of interrupting a talk. And he goes, no, I'm just dancing. And like right by me. And I'm like, and there goes my whole conversation because now Riley wants to have a dance party and we're done. And so I had one sentence of a special deep talk with my daughter and then the rest was nonsense. But think about it. That is relationships, right? You may put, you put time and effort into a relationship. 80% of it is ridiculous. Think about it. You and your friends do ridiculous things that make no sense, right? But then every now and then, 
every now and then there are those deep moments and you can have a deep talk where you're vulnerable. And because you put that time and effort in there and you have that trust built, then you can be vulnerable. You can have that deep moment and it's even sweeter. So with my kids, I do the dance parties. I pretend to be the Pokemon villain. I pretend like they're puppies and I adopt them and I give them bowls of food. I mean, I do the whole, whole thing all so that when the moment comes, I can have that deep moment with them. You know, until my son comes in with a, like a tribal dance around me again. But think of this time with the Lord. You may read something and not at all understand what you read, right? I mean, there are some ridiculous and crazy stories in the Bible. You may pray and feel like no one has heard. Or for me, I, I sit down to pray and then 10 minutes later I realized I've been daydreaming about this show that I watched. I mean, I'm so bad about just drifting off. So you may feel like those moments don't always mean something, but they do. You do make progress every day. You just have to keep showing up and God will be faithful to pull you through and give you those deep moments in time. So there have been times in my life when I have not felt like reading the Bible or been interested in it. There's been times where I've wondered if God's real. There's been times where I've wondered, am I even saved because I don't feel different Right? We've all had those questions. But you know what I did with them? I brought them to God. I laid it before his feet. And every time God has provided, he has revealed himself to me. And he's pulled me through. And in times when I can't bring myself to come to him, he has come to me. So we all have doubts at times. We all have moments when we're not feeling it. Because we're weak, even though we pretend like we're not. But we can't see that as failure. That's an opportunity to seek him out, even if you don't feel like it. Because he's already found you first. He's already revealed himself to you, and so you know he will be faithful when we seek him. I mean, I've had so many times where I've had to sit there and pray, Lord, give me a passion for you because I feel dry and empty. I don't feel it. But Lord, help me. Help me in my unbelief. And God will be faithful to that. In those times when we're feeling alone or empty or uninterested, we reach out and seek God and he will pull you through it. So these are the questions we have to ask ourselves here. Is, is how are you spending your time? Are you seeking out God? Are we thirsty for his truth and making an effort to get to know him or are we distracting ourselves with everything else in the world? All right, I'm gonna pray. God, I just thank you so much for being a personal God, that you have revealed yourself to us through your word, through the person of Christ. God, I, I pray that we can just um, seek you out, Lord, even when we don't feel like it, because we know you're faithful and we know that you will, you will be there waiting, waiting to reveal yourself to us more. And I pray in those moments that when it's just hard and we don't feel like we can get up that mountain, Lord, that you would just hold our hand and make yourself known to us. Ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so y'all.